Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. And it is our two-year anniversary. Woo, woo! Holy cow, I'm surprised. <laughs> no shit, man. As am I. Right. <laughs> no. Can I just start off, Yes, Caitlin? please. Please. I'm just going to slow it down a little Ooh, bit with okay. a little... I don't know what. I felt like I was going to be a DJ with like, we're going to slow it down with a little slow jam. Yeah. No. I just want to say, Caitlin. Oh, no. No, I know. I was thinking about it earlier and I was like getting all teary and I was like, God, you dumb bitch. (laughs) 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 Fucking cry over everything. No, I just totally appreciate how fun and awesome and... I don't know. This has just been a good time. And it was totally your idea. And you came to us like so many years ago and we're like, let's do it. And we're like, fuck it. Let's do it. And here we still are. Here we are. Two years later. I'm not saying everything I want to say because it's not coming to me because we've had a lot of shots (laughs) and some drinks. Yeah. And then alcohol and our coffee. We just went the whole gambit today. Yeah, we did. But anyway. Two years. I just wanted to say, Caitlin, I just love you so much. Oh, I love you. And thank you. You're the best. We're staying on for this long as well, so. <laughs> I'm surprised you guys are like, we're shutting it down. <laughs> Michelle is hella annoying. No. But uh, because of our two-year anniversary. Did if you, you hear s- that? I, what is it? Oh, I didn't do it. Hold on. Uh, You're like, God damn it. There, there we go. There is a good one. Okay, sorry. Oh, that kind of really spikes the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so since it's our two-year anniversary, if you saw our post, we were giving away Two books of the Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook, and it is by Joshua Piven and David Borganich. Sure. Yeah, um, nailed it. So, and we're also going to, like, put a little note in for you and sign it as well. Yeah, we're going to customize it just for you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, if you want to be entered to win this, we will ship it to you for free. And um, wait till the end of the podcast to find out how to win it. So you can listen all the way through. Yeah. (laughs) Joke's on you, assholes. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening. If you've been following us for two years or if you're a new listener, we super appreciate you and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Madness. Yeah. All right. Did you find a good. Okay. I found. I just turned to it this very second. So we're. Yeah. We're, here's a few of the titles that you'll find in this book. Yeah. What is here it? is the uh, worst case scenario How to Tell if a Clown is Murderous. Yes. That's important. It is. Okay. Oh, this one, How to Land a Plane. You may oh, need to know we that. We might need one. that one. There is one, actually, I was thinking about that we need for mine. My story, mine. That's... Okay, what is Ooh, it? Oh, here's a good one. Okay. Okay. How to survive if your smart home outsmarts you. Wow. Now, there's some really good ones. There's also, like, how to survive being buried alive. Like, that seems important. <laughs> no, just yeah. in case. I don't know. Like, just in case. I, I just perused that one quickly, and it sounds yeah. like you got to take your shirt off. Yes. And then put it over your face. Yeah, so the dirt doesn't get inside. Yeah. Your, yeah. That's smart. It's it smart. It is smart. <laughs> here let's find another good one how to survive an earthquake yeah i think we all learned that in like second grade um how to tell if someone's lying to you Ooh, that's handy mm, that's, that's handy. handy well we are super appreciative so please wait till the end to hear how you're gonna win this book but uh happy two years Woo-hoo! all right ready yeah. Okay. Ju- oh, no, no. We haven't even talked about what we're drinking. Oh, what are we drinking? My God, Caitlin. Well, we don't have the drinks Fucking, in Fucking, we've been doing this for two years and you've forgotten already? I did, yeah. My God. Okay. So what we, we made lime drops. Lime drops. So one of our very first episodes way mm-hmm. back in the day, back in the day. i.e. two years ago, mm-hmm. we made lemon drops. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, let's do a kickback to those old times. Yeah. And so we made lime drops and... They were good. Yeah, I like them a lot. I like them a lot. Well, you love lime. I do love lime. So Citrus they, is my thing. Yeah. No, I thought they were good. Yeah. I just don't think I could drink a whole shit ton of them. Really? I think I could. You're like, wrong, bitch. Yeah. I if could drink a... I mean, if it's fresh lime, I think that's the difference between, like, the bottled stuff you get, because oh, it's a lot of true. sugar. Um, but with the fresh stuff, it's like, ooh. 
Yeah. So we did, and actually I forgot the triple sec. And so it right. might have made a little bit of a difference if we had it, but. Maybe. Anyway, so they were we delicious. So it was super fine sugar. Okay. So like two teaspoons of super fine sugar. OMG. Three ounces of vodka. And I think I only did like a little bit over two for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sugar, vodka, and then we put in, for each drink, I put in like almost two limes, yeah. I think, per drink. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like a lemon drop, except for it's a lime drop. Yeah. And then we just popped in a martini glass with a little sugar around the edge and it made the glass super sticky yeah <laughs> but no, they were delicious it was really i like it a lot like because i snack on limes and lemons you do <laughs> i've never so seen weird. it no one else i've ever met has ever done that. really that's weird and then of course we had to bring in some five farms five Irish farms for two years yes five Irish farms. creams Irish cream. no but we did we took a couple shots of that yeah we have to go all out. We for do it. have to. Thank you, Caitlin. Yes. yes well no, said. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> all right. Let's jump into this. Let's jump okay. in. All right. Set the scene, Caitlin. So, this story is about Sandra Chesky. Uh, so, she is 13 years old. Oh, okay. And she just moved to Harrisburg, Iowa. All right. Okay. All right. It is the summer, and she's walking back to the car from the concession stand at a drive-thru, like, at a drive-in movie. Okay. I love drive-in movies. I really do. I know. I always fall asleep in the second movie, though. I do, too. Like, I can never make it. No, absolutely. Same. But as she's walking back to the car, she sees the most handsome man she has ever seen. I like handsome men. I do as well. (laughs) So this handsome, well, he's 17, so guy, boy teenager how do you want to say whatever it? pervert I, <laughs> his name was roger essam roger essam okay and so he actually stopped and started to talk to her for a while and then he eventually asked for her phone number all right i feel like this is not gonna lead anywhere good so i feel like i'm being overly enthusiastic <laughs> for poor little sandra sandra They went out uh, on a few dates, but every time they went out, Roger's friend, Stuart Bade, Stuart Bade, usually came with them because he had the transportation. So he had the car. Oh, he had the car. I see. He had a van, so they always hung out all together. If you go and roll out in your 17, 18-year-old days and try to buy a van, I'm calling it. Calling it what? (laughs) Uh, serial killer. Oh, that's I what see, I'm calling. I see, okay. I'm sorry. I no, apologize if I, I was not was... clear. It should have been. So, um, do you do? So Sandra's stepdad. So she, her mom married a stepdad. And... <laughs> sorry, married so... a man. Who married became a man. Her stepdad. Thank you. What he he didn't sign up for kids. So she had several brothers. So he didn't have time for Sandra and her brothers, and he convinced her mom to put them in foster care. What? Yeah. No. Yes. Did she put him in foster care? Yes. I'm upset by this story. <laughs> I'm sorry. Already. And then, then she went to a mission school as well. So. I'm fucking done with mom. Yeah, I know. So, I mean, so she was used to being around older kids at this mm. time. I mean, so she she was 13. Uh, Roger was 17. Which So she had probably been hanging out with 16, 17 year olds already. It wasn't weird for her. But they did end up back at the mom's house. But still, I mean, she had her time in foster care and was bouncing from house to house. What the fuck? I know. What the fuck? Terrible. So it's fall of 1973. On November 17th, Roger asked Sandra to go to Gitche Monitou. Monitou? Yeah. Yeah. Gitche Monitou. Yeah, it was a camping ground. In South Dakota. Okay. And they were inviting friends. So it was just them It was too. just going to be a fun camping yeah. trip with friends. Mm-hmm. Lots of people. Okay. Uh, they had a, a joint that they were going to... Fuck you yeah. Know, now around. we're having a good time. So it was Sandra, Roger, her boyfriend, Stuart, who had the van, Stuart's little brother, Dana. Um, so he's 14. So okay. Sandra's 13. So, so I, I was mean, like, she's still older than poor little Sandra over here. Yeah, he is. And the neighborhood uh, friend of theirs, Mike, and he's 15. So is she the only lady here? She is. She's the only female okay. in this group of friends. But Stuart even brought his guitar. Like, they were ready to jam, smoke a little bit, you know. I'm like, it sounds like a good time to me so far. 
so Stuart's mom, unfortunately, was in the hospital with bronchi- mm-hmm. bronchitis. Bronchitis. Thank bronchitis, you. Bronchitis. Okay. Bronchitis. And before leaving to go camping, he told his other brothers, like, his plans. Like, hey, I'm going to go camping. This is where I'm going to be. Okay. Okay. It all sounds perfectly normal and like a good time this camping place was known for parties but mike told his mom that he was staying at roger's house and vice versa oh little deception and then sandra uh sandra's stepdad didn't care i mean she was going to be gone for the weekend i was like he already kicked her out to foster care he has no say in what she does so he uh he was fine with her you know going for the weekend so everyone had their little alibi or coverage you know okay okay so it was around 9.30 p.m. when they arrived to the Gitchy Montu. Montu? You're fucking nailing it, I'm sure. Thank you. They're like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. not even close. <laughs> they parked into the tall grass, not far from a stone shelter, and they wandered southwest down a narrow path. Okay, and they're in South Dakota? Mm-hmm. So okay. it's just around the cusp. Like, it really is, like, on the border of Iowa and South Dakota. Oh, I see. So okay. they're really, I mean, not far. So they were near the Big So River, which was just 30 yards behind them to the west. What river? The Sioux River. The Sioux Big River. Sioux oh, okay. River. Okay, sorry. They settled into an opening among the trees with a natural quartzite wall. So it's like the stone wall. Uh, okay. Maybe about six or seven feet tall, rising up to the south side. So there was pretty much a wall where they were near the castle. Okay, side. so they were just camping next to sort of a sheer cliff. Yeah. Kind of is what you're saying. Thank okay. you. Yes. Okay. So they already got the fire going, and Stuart brought out his guitar, and Roger... Is that joint rolling already? Yes. And uh, Roger has his arm around Sandra. I mean, mm. it's just a good time. And they were only there for 20 minutes when they heard sticks snapping. Oh. So they were, like, a little worried about that. So Stuart yelled... See, I already... Roger, sorry. Roger. Stuart was the bad guy no, no, no. in all of this. Because <laughs> of his minivan. Poor guy. Sorry, Stuart. Roger yelled, who the hell are you? What are you doing here? But then there was silence. So, like, it stopped. So, he yelled out into the darkness, like, who are you? What are you doing here? And then it stopped. Nothing. Then he went to go get some more firewood. Okay. Okay, so near the campsite, people still see him. But then all of a sudden, a gunshot exploded and he gets hit in the face. (gasps) What? Yes. And then two men... We're standing on the top of that ledge that they were at. Oh, and they, they fired camping like underneath. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. And they god. fired again. This what? T- yes, this time hitting Stuart. Stuart got hit in the arm and was screaming, I've been shot, it hurts, it hurts. Oh my god, are they being hunted by the- <laughs> like the men started moving down from that ledge and told the teens to come out of the trees. They said they were police officers and they were in trouble for having marijuana. And that Stuart would be all right because it's just a tranquilizer gun. Tranquilizer. Tranquilizer? Tranquilizer? Is that what we're going for? Oh, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! I just like to say I have a speech impediment already, too. Save it. No one's having it. (laughs) Tranquilizers. Anyways, so uh, Sandra believed them. I mean, she was young and they did have marijuana. So it was, she just, she was probably know. already like a little bit paranoid. Absolutely. And seeing her boyfriend getting shot in the face, that yeah. was a little bit shocking. For yeah. Her. No shit, man. Oh my God. So the men gathered the teens and have them move up the path with, uh, at gunpoint. So oh like, Hey, God. come this way. Your friends are going to be fine. He's just asleep right now i.e. dead they were using shotguns my god who are these guys because i think they're not police officers (laughs) (laughs) so what they did was they brought them up to where they were parked and they bound sandra's hands behind her back and put her in the truck Mm. sandra thought that the others were going into another vehicle and the last thing she told them was well i guess i'll see you in school oh my god Sandra. I know. Oh, I don't think you're going to be going to school on Monday. Before driving away, they untied her and said that she was too young to be busted for drugs. As they drove off, Sandra saw Dana, Stuart, and Mike still alive. Well, that's good news. Right. But... Did he, did Roger make it? No. Unfortunately, oh. pretty much so when they drove away, they had the, the three boys line up and they executed them. <gasps> 
What? Yes. That is not what I was expecting at I know, all. I'm sorry. But so they stopped at a convenience store and got her a soda and still thought that they, she still thought they were police officers. So were they there for her? Just wait. Okay, so, wait, wait, wait. Just wait. Did she see them? All of her friends get executed no, then? No. So she's in the back of the van. She can't see anything. In the truck. She's in, in the, the truck. truck. Oh, okay. They drove away. So the last thing she said, you know, I'll see you at school. They drove away. She, they were still alive. Okay. So there but, were three men. But then they went back and executed them. Or so there one a- drove her away. The two stayed back. Oh, my God. So she said if she knew otherwise, then she would have run. I mean, but she really thought that they were police officers. She, so she didn't have... I mean, there was no reason why... Yeah, as far as she knows, her friends are all fine. Exactly. And probably just getting arrested, which mm-hmm. is a bummer, but... So these three men were the Friar Brothers... There was Alan, 29 years old, David, 24 years old, and James, 21 years old. I feel like I should know who these guys are. They had, so they had like, uh, what, nicknames, I guess. Um, one was the boss, which was Alan because he was the oldest. Okay. Um, there was also Hatchet Face. Oh, dear. Uh, which I believe was David. Did this get turned into a horror movie? At well, some because point? he had pock marks on his face, so that's why they believe that's what his name was. And James twenty one was uh, sneaky. Mm. Like I don't know why sneaky because because he snuck up on people and shot him in the face. Pretty much. I'm sorry, um, Roger. I ever suspected you of bad doing. <laughs> so James and Alan got into the truck where Sandra was and told her to take off her clothes. <gasps> Oh, no. So James got out of the front to go into the back. And while that was happening, Sandra told Ellen that she was a virgin and that she was only 13 years old. Oh, That made him shocked. And he said, I'll do what I can to get you out of this. Oh, so he's like, I'm going to help you. Yes. But then James, the 21-year-old, did rape her. Oh. I'm sorry, Sandra. Right. And then after that, it was time to get rid of her. And Alan said that he would kill her. Like, he would do it. Don't worry about it. Go home. And Alan is the one who was like, I'm going to help you. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Even though he promised to kill Sandra, he actually took her home around 5 a.m. in the morning. And after being dropped off at home, Sandra couldn't sleep, of course. I mean. She just had this wildly traumatizing experience. Yeah. So Sandra tried calling Roger's house around 8 a.m. in the morning to see if he made it home because she thought he was just, you know, sleeping and such. Wasn't actually dead from getting shot Mm -hmm. in the face. There's no answer. So Sandra and her friend hitchhiked to Sioux Falls and to call Roger again from there from a Mm -hmm. payphone. So actually one of Roger's brothers answered the phone and told her to stay where she was because something bad has happened. <gasps> so he went to go pick him up. I'm like, I'm surprised that something bad has happened. I know what's happened. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, Roger and Sandra. So actually a, uh, a couple was out test driving a new car and they actually came across the bodies oh. of the three boys that were executed. That's awful. Um, and then a few days later, they did find Stuart. I mean, Ro- Roger. Okay. Roger, yeah. yeah. Stuart's back with the other right. three guys, yes. right? The one that I thought was the bad guy yeah. along. I'm sorry, Stuart. They found Roger because oh. he was in the woods where they were. So Did he try to, like, get away? Like, he got shot and did he die right, right away? Or... Yeah, because he was just getting firewood and he got shot in the face. Oh, I see. So that's why he was in the woods. He was getting wood. Oh, mm-hmm. he wasn't trying to escape. He was no. just more instantly killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. So the next few days were really chaotic with investigators looking for... Um... The other three? No, they found all the bodies. Oh, I so see. They oh, of were course. Yeah, the people. Having her looking over mugshots to see if she could recognize who they were. Um, Because all she knew was their nicknames. The boss, Sneaky, and stuff like that. And Hatchet. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Hatchet Face, excuse me. Uh, She was writing down statements. They were even driving around gravel roads to try to find the farmhouse that she was at. Oh, gosh. But Sandra has such a detailed description of everything. The cigarettes that they smoked was Paul Mall. Mm, I do remember Paul Malls. Really? Oh, yeah. They were the cheap cigarettes. Oh, really? Yeah. So if you couldn't afford Marlboro or Camels, you got Paul Malls. And then she also described the pockmarks on one of the man. She described the inside of the truck. So she remembered the exact shape and 
open mechanism of the glove compartment and what the dashboard looked like and they were able to figure out that it was a 1971 c10 chevy pickup truck wow so she remembered a lot Fucking of stuff. everything yeah absolutely dang sandra good job but they did have funerals for the four for the four oh, boys that passed away the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, God. They just have one after the other. And the autopsy showed that two of them were shot in the back. One of them in the head, which was in the face, you know, where Roger, Roger was shot. And the other one in the chest one or two times. Oh, I wonder if he, like, tried to get away or something. Maybe. Oh. The gun, uh, gun owners actually came forward to report any ammunition sales in the days leading up to the killings. Okay. But the ammo was not sold locally. So the type of bullets oh, they used wow. were not local. So after days and days of going down these gravel roads mm. trying to find that farmhouse, they finally found it. Ugh. She recognized this gas can and it all came together. As she sat in the car with law enforcement, Alan Fryer, which was the oldest, which was the boss, drove slowly by them and in the same truck that Sandra was in 10 days She's before. like, there's that motherfucker going mm-hmm. down the road. The Fryer brothers were arrested. Okay, she, good. Those are the men. This is the place. Arrested. But there were rumors that were starting about Sandra when this was all coming what? together. That why was a girl that young hanging out with older boys? Because she was bitch ass parents is why. Why was she smoking weed? Because it's fun. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> God. I'm getting all uh, upset. Don't blame Sandra in this situation. People thought she was in on the plot to kill them and blaming her for their deaths. Oh my God. So you've already been through this terrible, horrendous, mm-hmm. traumatic experience. Yeah. You've lost, now lost your boyfriend mm-hmm. and his friends, and now you're getting blamed for it. All yeah. those people can fuck themselves. Right? No one wanted to be associated with her, oh, so she ended up God. dropping out of school because she was bullied so bad. Poor thing. She did end up staying with her mom and stepfather, so she didn't go back into the foster care system. Oh, good. So she was able to go home to those assholes. Yeah. Oh, Terrible. Sandra. Sandra had nightmares. I mean, even of for years, she did. her mom would crawl into bed with her just so she could sleep through the night. I don't even want to hear it from Sandra's mom at this That's point. That's true. <laughs> I'm such a bitch. So the trials of the men started. These trials went on for 18 months. <gasps> and the hardest thing was to find a motive. So pretty much uh, Kevin Kunkel, a former law enforcement, summed it up pretty much. Okay. Of what the motives were. Sociopaths? That just like to kill people? Like well, to I mean, hunt men? What he said, he stated, these guys went pheasant hunting that day, but didn't get any pheasants. So they went deer hunting, and they couldn't find any deer. That's when they decided to hunt the only thing they could find. Humans. So they're just shitty hunters, is what you're saying. Pretty much. Oh my God. I mean, Sandra was the key witness in all three trials, so she spoke quietly and was nervous, but got through all the answers. She had to go through three separate trials? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm sorry, Sandra. So the Fire Brothers knew that they had marijuana, so they were under the impression that narcotics officers were allowed to shoot and kill people using drugs. They felt entitled to kill the teens as part of their cover. Oh, for heaven's sake. So they thought since they had marijuana, they they deserved to die. Exactly. Even though it was one joint. Yeah. So. I got a lot to say about this, but we won't get into it today. David was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He said if all of his appeals were denied, that he would call the governor and ask for the death penalty because he did not want to live out his life in prison. Alan was also sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for parole. While Alan was awaiting his sentence hearing, and before James's trial, the two escaped from the Lyon County Jail. What? Stole a vehicle and left the state. Oh, dear. Police officers stayed at Sandra's house just to make sure the brothers did not come for her. After two weeks, they were caught in Wyoming and brought back to Iowa. Oh, good. So, the thing about James... So, James was caught and came back. But the thing about James was he was already in prison at this time. He was on a work release. And his Uh. brother called the prison saying that he needed to do another shift... So he didn't go back to prison. He was doing another shift. But actually, they went out hunting. 
So he was still in prison on work release, but was lying uh, about where he was. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Pretty much. Yeah. So he was already in prison for theft. He was in prison for oh, theft. Oh, I see. Before this all began, yes, he was in prison. For I'm theft. on work release. Mm-hmm. Brother calls in. We got another shift for him, mm-hmm. so he'll be on work release longer. Yes, but in fact, we're going hunting. Correct. We're gonna be shitty hunters. Lose, lose. Oh, here's some humans that are, you know, yeah, having fun, playing a little guitar, smoking a little weed, yep. having just a good time in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but pretty much Alan said in his trial is you get rid of the men and then you can um, do what you want with the women, I guess. It's pretty much the sum up of that. So yeah, so James was found guilty on December 20th of manslaughter, first degree murder of three counts for the three boys. James received life in prison without parole, which was the maximum penalty. So the prosecutor decided not to charge him with Sandra's rape to spare her another emotionally charged trial. Okay, so he's already in jail without parole. Mm-hmm. So rather than he's at the max sentence. So on top of his theft, he has this other like all these other. Counts. So he's gonna pretty much be in jail forever. Absolutely. So let's not put her through the emotional trauma. Yes. Okay. Which still, I mean, you know, he still did that act, which he, I feel like he should get, you know. A little something for. Exactly. A little extra time. Agreed. Absolutely. But since he's going to be there in life anyways, I guess, you know, you don't want him to put her through that again. So I guess I get it, but still sucks. I mean, I don't know. Well, she's already through it all. Yeah. I mean, she's been through three trials. It's yeah. like, let's just fucking hit him with everything we've got. That's true. Yeah. So, all three brothers are still now serving their sentences as Iowa State Penitentiary. Mm. Sandra is now a mother and grandmother and no longer feels shame about what happened to her that night. She should not feel shamed. When this all happened, she really was out of media. She didn't want to talk to news or anything like that. Mm. And they thought that she knew more than she was giving out. That's why she wasn't talking to news or anything like that. So Not, I just would like my privacy and I'm trying to heal from yeah. this awful thing that happened to me. Absolutely. So not only did she, like, people blamed her for it, you know, she, no one, she didn't have friends, she had nightmares. I mean, she went She just got hell. the fucking shaft yeah. every turn. Absolutely. Oh so my God. it took her a long time for her to come out to talk about what happened that night. And that's totally understandable. Yeah. I mean... Let's have some compassion, people. Exactly. Jeez. So, Elise, I mean, she did marry. She did have kids. She now is a grandma. I mean, she has moved on with her life. There's actually two books that have been written about her. It's oh. called The Geechee Girl, written by Phil and Sandy Hammond, which has first-hand accounts from Sandra. It's from 2016. There's actually another book from 2019, which is the same writer's. And it's called Geechee Girl Uncovered, the true story of a night of mass murder and the hunt for the deranged killers. And actually has like 138 uh, ratings and it's a total of 4.5 stars. Okay. So it's a really well written book it sounds like. Um, so if you want to hear um, more about what happened that night, kind of uh, Sandra's side of the story, you can check that out. You can get it on the Kindle, you can get it on Amazon. And so I just feel so, unf- she had such a hard upbringing already and then go through, you know, her boyfriend, her friends, being blamed for it. It was just too much for someone <sighs> that young. Nightmare. Well, she stayed strong. She did. And got through it, went through all those trials and yeah, God, Ugh. I couldn't even imagine. So, I cannot even imagine. Sandra, you are so strong. You are amazing. And we're so sorry this happened to you, but we're glad that you came out. So that was that story. I know. Thank you. I'm not even going to tell one now. That was a nightmare story, Caitlin. It was. So I'm sorry. thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> um, um, okay. Well, let's jump into your story, Michelle. Yeah. Let's not brighten the mood at all and just <laughs> roll in. All right, so this story, we're actually, it's not that long ago. So it's July okay. 23rd, ni- 2019. Oh, wow, I was like, okay. 1919? No. 2019. No. We're in Belgium. Okay. So there's a lot of words that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. So, sorry, Corinne. I'm probably even saying Corinne wrong. Saying That's your like, sister's name. I know. I was like, hers is not with two N's. My, so it's probably like Corinne or something. All right. Sorry. 
So I'm going to say Corinne. All right. So sorry if I'm saying it wrong. So on this evening, again, we're July 23rd. Mm -hmm. um, It's around 11 p.m. Okay. And she has just gotten off the phone. Corinne has just gotten off the phone with her ex-husband. And they've been in a fight about their three kids, their three sons. okay. And so she's feeling pretty upset and kind of, she knows that she is not going to be able to sleep. Okay. So she goes ahead and just quietly tiptoes out of her boyfriend's house and gets in the car because she's just like, I'm just going to drive to my house. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I can't, you know, antsy. And so she figures she might as well just go home. Okay. Sounds good. So in the evening, it's still, it's in the middle of summer, so it's still really warm. It's actually 87 degrees out still that evening. So she gets in her car. There's not a lot of traffic. And so she's just heading down the road just concentrating on her driving and thinking about her boys. And they live with her half the time. So she has Hadrian, who's 18, and he's a track and field fan, um, who is determined to help victims of crime as his life's work. So yeah, hi, your soul brother, I guess. (laughs) And there's Audric, who is 16. He's a champion uh, high jumper. And there's Dorian, who's 12, her dodo, as they call him. He's a budding athlete in his own right. So she's thinking, you know, like without them, I'd be nothing in my life, all kinds of stuff. So it sounds like a little bit of dark thoughts, probably just upset still from this fight with her ex-husband. So lost in her thoughts, she sort of doesn't notice right away, but then notices as it gets worse that her car is vibrating. So she has been driving for about 20 minutes and the vibrating is just getting sort of worse. So she remembers that her boyfriend, David, uh, I think it's David Bartholomew. Uh-huh. I apologize. He was her boyfriend of five months. He's like, you've got to get your brakes replaced. Okay. And so she's like, oh, I guess I should have done that. But, she, you know, she's a working mom and she's mm-hmm. got all these other things on her plate. So getting the brakes fixed was not high in her priority right. list. So until now. Oh. Uh, so she's like, I got to get off the freeway or motorway, as it's called in Belgium, uh-huh. um, and get the car slowed down. And so she takes the next exit to the town of Saint-Georges-de-Mousse. Sure. Yeah. Saint-Georges-de-Mousse. I, oh, God. <laughs> anyway, this she takes the next exit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She uh, guides her car to the exit lane and she okay. starts pumping her brakes. But she's so she's pumping them sort of gently at first uh-huh. and then harder and harder. Oh. And she's realizing that her brakes <gasps> are not working oh my at gosh. all. No. So she's driving her little gray Fiat hatchback and off the exit. And I guess it just keeps on picking up speed. <gasps> it is not stopping. So it's careening off this exit and she's trying to steer and then she hits something and then the car is in the air (gasps) and then she's sliding down a slope that feels as steep as a cliff and it's studded with jagged rocks and thick trees and overhanging branches. Oh my gosh. Um, And then she hears a terrible crunching noise, metal folding in on metal and the sound of smashing glass. Oh my gosh. So... She's laying on her back, completely disoriented. Wait, is she ejected from the car or she's like sitting in her car? She's in her car still. Okay. Spoiler alert, Caitlin. Sorry, well, she said you were, she's laying on her back. Yes. So her car has managed to flip over. Okay. So she is still sort of strapped into her seat and upside down. I see. Okay. I see. Somehow she manages to undo her seatbelt and... All she can hear is the sound of breathing that's shallow and fast. Aww. And then she's like, oh my God, is that me breathing? Like, is that me? And then she's like, yeah. yeah. And at this point, it's almost midnight and she realizes she should have been home by now. Aww. And so she's not really fully clear what has happened to right. her at this okay. point. Disoriented. It's late. It's yeah. shock. Yeah. So really, among all this, she has this very clear thought of her kids, that her boys are like everything in her life, Uh and then she passes out. (gasps) Oh no! Yeah. Day one. (laughs) The sound of her uh, cell phone wakes her up. So unthinking, she reaches out for it, and she's like sort of 
looking with her hand, uh-huh. you know, because she hears the phone and without even hardly waking up, she starts looking for it. And that's when she realizes the situation she's in. Oh. Like, she's been asleep. She wakes up thinking probably she's in bed. She just needs to reach over to her nightstand oh, no. to grab her phone. No, she's actually searching through broken glass and things and then realizes that she's still in the car. Oh. So she's laying inside of her and she's on the car roof. Okay, so the car is upside down and she has sort of slid off of her. She's taken off her seatbelt and slid down onto the roof, on the ceiling of the roof. Right. So she's laying down on the ceiling of the roof. Okay. So she is laying on the inside of the car's roof and the driver's seat is suspended above her. Yes. A branch sticks through the gap on the front windshield. Okay. (laughs) And she's essentially kind of pinned down. So as she sort of recites to herself to sort of keep her bearings, I think. She, her name, the date, her son's name, and that there was an accident and that she's alive. So she just repeats this to herself. It sort of becomes her mantra. And the contents of her handbag or her purse are freaking everywhere. And there's glass everywhere. And her phone is out of reach. So she is sort of pinned in the car and can't move. And her phone is just a little bit too far away. Okay. So she can't get to it. Oh. In order to try to reach her phone, she decides that she's going to sort of move around a little bit. Okay. But she can't because her left leg and back are embedded with bits of glass. Oh, my gosh. So she doesn't realize it then, but also her back is broken (gasps) in several places and her entire left side is paralyzed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. Poor thing. So she, but she's thinking she can hear traffic above because uh-huh. she's just, you know, she's driven off the off ramp. So she's not that far from the freeway. So she can hear traffic and so she's thinking someone's got to find her. Uh-huh. So she starts yelling out. She's yelling, help me. I'm down here. But eventually her voice sort of fails her after she's been yelling for hours and no one has come. So, and her phone is ringing off the hook at right. this point, but she can't quite get to it oh my gosh so it's ringing and ringing um she can't even she ends up losing count of how many calls she's received and she knows that it's probably her boyfriend or sons trying Mm -hmm. to get in touch with her how terrible like how like heartbreaking like you're just inches away from your phone to get help and you just can't she just can't do it she can't reach it oh i know so she just ends up laying there waiting for someone to find her so by this point it's the next day it's past noon and it's even hotter than the day before if you remember it's almost 90 degrees at 11 o'clock at night so she crashed was there for 24 hours and now we're on the second day well no we're on the first day so we're probably okay yeah it's like noon of the next day so now it's been almost about 12 hours okay okay and so she's thinking oh my god my boyfriend must just think i'm mad at him and Uh i'm not talking to him i left in the middle of the night and now i'm not answering the phone and so she figures that her boyfriend has probably gotten in touch with her sons at this point and uh-huh. they're all looking for her. Aww. That's nice to know that people are looking for you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So David, her boyfriend, ends up calling her sons and is like, mm-hmm. have you seen your mom? And they're like, no. And they're like, something's got to be wrong. So day two. Oh my goodness. It dawns even hotter. It's the hottest day of the week so far. Oh, of course. So Corinne wakes up and her limbs are numb, but now she feels like a new resolve. Uh, She's going to help herself. She's going to figure this shit out by herself. She's a runner and she knows what it is to hit a wall and then just to keep going. Yeah. So she's just working herself up. Her car is her wall. The brambles and the embankment are all her wall. And she's going to now get past past it. it. Yeah. So she's going to get out of her car, struggle up the embankment, and wave down a passerby. So she just imagines this all in her head. And then she's like, you got to call my kids. The whole thing. Uh Uh-huh. Aww. And then she realizes... That she can't hardly move. It takes her like 15 minutes to even hardly move an inch. Oh. So. No. I know. She looks for a way to get out of the car, but the bent and twisted chassis, it's not obvious. But yes, she sees a way to get out. Okay. Um, so she uses her seatbelt looped around her like a rope to pull herself through the jagged gap in the front of the car. My goodness. Yeah. 
Gritting her teeth amid blinding pain, she shifts her body, and with every movement, the shards of glass in her back and her legs cut even deeper. Oh, my gosh. So it took her, as I said, about 15 minutes to move about an inch. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So she just keeps repeating her son's name in her head as her, like, motivation to get her out of this car. Like, come on, you can do it. She's telling herself out loud and is imagining her oldest son sort of cheering her on. Oh my god. I know. So sad. So the sun is high in the sky when she finally pokes her head outside. And gazing up, she sees snippets of blue sky and all the branches and trees above her. Turning her head and glancing down, she cries out in frustration. The car is perched on a small ledge. (gasps) So essentially, if she falls down to where the ground is, she'll probably break her neck. Oh my gosh. So there's, it's like roots and sharp rocks and all this stuff. So she can't just drop out of the car. Right. So she's not on flat ground. No, she's, she's on a, not. Oh my goodness. She's like in a tree and ledge upside <gasps> down. So she ends up going back to the back of the car. And then by this time it's evening and she's like, tomorrow. I'll, oh. I'll get out of the car tomorrow. Right. So day three. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Am I going to do that every time? Yeah. Probably. Um, by this point, actually before day three is even dawned, her boyfriend and sons are now pretty frantic. Uh-huh. They're realizing that something is not right and she is missing. And she's not, you know, yeah. she's not just out for a drive or whatever. So they've, uh, they think maybe she was kidnapped. Maybe she's dead. They don't know what's going right. on. Right. Okay. So day three is still super hot and sticky outside. Corinne is desperate and determined to get out of the car. So she shifts her body to brace her shoulders against one door so she can try to kick open the other door. Okay. So she sort of pulls herself, you know, pushes herself back to one side of the car Uh so she can try to kick out the door of the other one. Because obviously she can't just open it and get out. Why? I think because she's, it's all mangled. I see, I see. see. And probably upside down. I see. You know. It's just, the car's not working properly, Kaylin. My God. (laughs) Fucking science. Screw you. (laughs) So she is weak and the cars are so damaged that she's just not able to get the door open. Well, little Fiat, it's not that big anyways, right? Yeah, and she unfortunately can't get the hatch open or anything. She's just stuck. And again, this is day three. Right. So she is like, okay, I can't get the passenger door open. So what am I going to do now? So she sees the hatch, the back door, and she's like... All right, I can do this for I can do this. So she sees that the crash has left the door sort of partially open. And so she's thinking she can squeeze out feet first. That's okay. her plan. But by this point, she's so tired that she's like, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll work it out tomorrow. Poor thing. Day four. So dun, she's dun, like dun. bleeding out with all this like, well, not bleeding out, but she's. I don't think I she's mean, doing super hot. Right. It did say that she wasn't feeling hunger or water or thirsty. Oh my god, <laughs> girl, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, she's not or water. Or, I see. <laughs> she doesn't uh, feel food or water at all. Oh my god. At this point, she hasn't felt hunger or thirst. Okay. Um, but day four, now she's beginning to feel it so she wakens and to everything being wet so oh, no. it has now though it's been raining oh so water is coming through the broken wheel windshield which is soaking your dress which has already actually been soaked with urine at this point oh, i right. mean i mean we're gonna four, do we're in day four yeah um and she can hardly move oh my gosh so day four really doesn't amount to much and she just Stays there. Yeah, stays there, going in and out of sleep. Oh. And at this point, her sons are very concerned. Absolutely. You know, and so they're putting out all kinds of stuff on Facebook. They've contacted the police. Yeah. Now they put up posters everywhere, and he's like, Mom, we will find you. Day five. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Um, Now there's been a torrential downpour. Oh, my gosh. So she now has a makeshift bathtub in the car, and she's half submerged with her, like, hair floating all around her because there's so much fucking water in the car. But fortunately, she's able to sort of 
suck water off of a leaf that like is in the car and oh because so, there's a branch that broke the windshield yeah and so she's able to actually get a little water from that so wow. she had a little bit of relief from her thirst but really frankly not very much isn't it you can last longer without food than water than yeah drink? like you can last like three weeks without food but oh, wow. you can't even last a few days without water apparently. well you can find that out in our worst case scenario book indeed <laughs> indeed actually i don't know so, okay, sorry. Her uh, dress had sort of ridden up in the water, and now her thighs were all exposed and burning from all the cuts on her legs. <gasps> oh, I know, my poor goodness. Thing. She was shivering uncontrollably, partly because of the temperature had dropped, and then mostly because her wet dress was completely freezing. Oh. So she's just <laughs> soaked for days. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. She's just, like, just in pain constantly, wet, cold, peed herself. I, I mean, know. It's just... Poor thing. Her phone has gone dead about yeah. inches from her hand. That, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Okay. Without thinking, she sort of starts tearing at her dress. Uh-huh. And then she cries out as she realizes, as she's pulling on her dress, it's taking pieces of skin <gasps> with it. So now I've... What? Yeah, because it's like it had gotten so cold, I uh-huh. think. Like, it just pulled off. What? It's I know. so gross. I know, poor okay. thing. And so she realizes, I think it was more just like a psychological thing that mm-hmm. sort of made her sort of tear at her dress. And okay. then she's like, you got to get a fucking grip. Yeah. Like, you need to quit doing what you're doing. And then she, like, tells herself, you can't sleep because if you do, you're going to die of the cold. So now she's freaked out to sleep. And then she's just like, please, just someone find me soon. Yeah. I don't know how much longer I have. Day six. So Corinne is at the end of her rope, Uh as I said. And she is a devout Catholic. And so she has a conversation with God at this point. And she's like, Lord, if you can see anything I haven't tried... Help me find a solution because I can't do it on my own anymore. Oh, I know. Oh my gosh. Things. So in the meantime, her her sons and everything are still running or are still looking for and yeah. everything. And then parents of a friend of her oldest son, Hadrian. Okay. Uh, Lawrence. I guess that Lawrence is a woman and her husband, Olivia. Oliver. I know words. Olivia. <laughs> Good Lord. Are out in the afternoon. They're running errands. Earlier that day, they had helped put up missing posters. Okay. I mean, so they were... She was fresh in their yeah. mind. They were thinking of her. And so they were slowly driving on that same exit. And they see an overturned car sort of off the embankment. And they're like, we got to check it out. We got to pull over yeah. and see what this is about. And they're like, it could be Corinne. We don't know. So they pull off and they go to look at this overturned car. So they could car. see the car from the road? Yeah. Like, I mean, they were, I think, being maybe a little bit more observant than right, normal and sort I of see. looking out the window. And then, yeah, they see evidence of this overturned oh, car. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So they park and they carefully descend uh, with Oliver leading the way because there's so many stones and branches and roots and all kinds of shit going down this hill. Um, and then they hear this faint voice. It's like, help me. I'm down <gasps> here. And they're like, are you Corinne? And they're like, yes, I'm Corinne. And they're like, a lot of people have been looking for you. It's a miracle. So Lawrence phones the police and about 10 minutes later, an ambulance arrives and a helicopter lands in an adjoining field to take Corinne to the hospital. Oh my goodness. Workers have cut through the branches and then they have to pry open the doors to get her out. At At the hospital, the doctors diagnose her with multiple fractures in her spine Severe weakness in her left side, a collapsed lung, oh and hypothermia. <gasps> oh, and when gosh. she comes out of surgery, her boyfriend and her sons are there. Aww. So she, like, she was actually pretty upset to hear that she thought her sons thought they had abandoned. She had abandoned them. Oh my gosh! <laughs> She's like, That's I you would want to hear. Never abandon yeah. you. And actually, it ended up being the thoughts of her boys that got Saved her through her. the six days oh. of being trapped in the car. And actually, it doesn't really have a whole lot of follow-up. I should try to follow up and see yeah. how she's doing. But it sounds like she recovered. Well, I mean, it's only been a year. So, I mean, I'm sure the recovery is going to take a while. And... Oh, I know. Oh. Poor thing. Just being stuck and not hardly being able to move for six days like in, in a car. Like, in pain. And bleeding. And imagine. then there's water in the car. Oh. <laughs> 
Where was this at? This was in Belgium. Okay, that's right, Belgium. Oh my gosh. That's so sad, but good for her. Like, I, mm. oh my God. But it's nice to know that she knew that people were looking for her. Like, someone just find me. (laughs) I know. Like, just inches away from being saved, you know, or being like, ugh. mm. Have you done that where you've gotten really deep and then you, in water, and then you've come up and it's like, you're so close and you know you are about to be able to breathe, but you can't breathe yet. And I could see just being like i'm there so i'm gonna breathe in yeah and then nope. drowning oh my goodness wow i know this is dark fucking my took a hella dark turn <laughs> two years <laughs> still <laughs> girls you gotta be done <laughs> just Jeez. kidding we'll see you on round and year three absolutely well that was a great story <laughs> and God, i mean thing. that is a poor thing oh what was your name again corinne corinne that's right oh or corinne Corrine, Corinne, still like poor. Oh, good I for her though. I can't even imagine her little Fiat. I know. It's a tiny <laughs> little car. I know. It's like when all the uh, Priuses, you remember? Yeah. Like the brakes weren't working. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. The stories of that are heartbreaking. Cars are dangerous. I like, know. Is there a thing in here? What? On how to survive like a car, an out of control car? There's a lot of things about cars. I bet there is on how to. Save yourself from a car accident. Well, there's how to break into a car. Oh, here's one. How to survive a car crash. Yep, there we go. How to escape from a sinking car. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go to that one. So, see, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interesting things in these books that you can win. Da-da-da! So, all you have to do to win these now, thank you for staying for the whole... <laughs> podcast so how are you gonna win this we're gonna take a winner from facebook and a winner from instagram so to win this make sure you are following us on facebook or instagram and then also like the the drink photo for this episode so look out for the lime drops yeah lime drops so like the lime drops photo and Follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and we'll pick two winners. Yeah, and then you'll know how to survive if you are in a line of gunfire. Boom. So, like Boom. I said, we're going to post something about this to listen to this episode, but make sure you like the photo of the lime drops. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. We will announce the winner Friday the 16th because this episode will be on the 12th. So you have a few days to make sure you listen and enter. So on Friday the 16th, we will announce the winners. Of 2020, on- you assholes who are yeah. listening in the future. <laughs> That's right, yeah. 2020, October 16th, 2020, we'll announce the winners on Facebook and Instagram. So um, once you we find the winner, we will message you and get your address, send you these books. We'll have a little note in there for you from Michelle and I. And then you can survive a worst case scenario. Absolutely. So thank you again so much for the two years of your listening. Uh, We're so very thankful. And uh, we hope you continue to listen on. And we'll see you on the next episode, which will be our Halloween and Michelle's birthday episode. Oh my God, I love the Halloween episode. I've got the best story. I cannot wait. Ooh, okay, we'll tune in for that and we'll see you next time. Da-da-da! All right, goodbye. Bye.